Make a schedule because real estate's a job, and I think that's where a lot of agents get lost. Is they they find that freedom, and they go work out, and they go run some errands. Yeah, freedom to make their own schedule. It's easier to, to put that stuff on the back burner. But I would say 2021, set a schedule, stick to it, because that's that changed my life. That mastermind conference changed my life. So the question is this. How do most agents find the secrets to succeed in today's competitive real estate market, especially when the top agents are keeping those secrets to themselves? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. Hi, I'm Aaron Amuchastegui, and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Wichastegui. Hey, today you guys are in for a treat. I get to interview one of my favorite guys out there, one of my favorite agents, good friend of mine that I met years ago, and he was on the other side of the table working against me. This is Mr. Jimmy Torres from Belton, Texas. Jimmy, how's it going? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm doing good. So the so And Belton, is that is that where your office is or your first office is? Is that in Belton? So actually, we have multiple locations. Our main office is in Temple. Okay. Uh, we have an office in Belton. We have an office in Harker Heights, an office in Lampasas, and an office in Salado. Man, and so the when I, when I met you, how many offices did you have? One. One. So the so for all you guys Barely. that are not from Austin, so the so Temple and all those areas, about an hour drive north of Austin, Texas, the and kind of spread out all within maybe an hour drive of each other, all those yeah. different places that you mentioned. Yeah, that's right. So I actually grew up in Pflugerville in Austin, just north of Austin. But yeah, uh, Belton is not that far. We're centrally located in between Waco and Austin. I guess that's the, the best way to explain it. Yeah. And five years ago, you had one location. Now you've got five or six locations you just rattled off. When I met Jimmy, I was bidding at a, a courthouse step auction in <laughs> Bell County. And, the, and I had flown in from California. I was trying to figure out if my new business plan was going to work in Texas and anywhere else. And the, and every time I was bidding on a house, Jimmy was bidding on it too. And he just kept outbidding me. But every time he beat me up, he would come over and shake my hand and he would tell me it was like a really nice way of saying, nice try. Yeah. You almost got that one. The, yeah. We're in Texas. It's, it's the plot thing to do. Like, it was, sorry, he was super polite. <laughs> so sorry, I just beat you, but I did end up getting lucky. I was able to buy a couple houses uh, at that first auction and the, and that was, and that's why I live down here now. That's why, that's why we still get to hang out yeah. and still get to, to beat each other up a bit, but the, so tell everybody, so how many, so now Vista real estate is a, yep. is a big office. You got a lot of agents, a lot of volume. What, how big is your office? So, you know, this has grown a lot. We started in 2013. Yep. 2013 was our first year. I think we had 20 million in sales that first year, which, you know, for a first year office was pretty good. It's grown every year. We've had a record year every single year. Uh, but in 2020, which, you know, going through COVID, everybody kind of, Thought it was going to be a rough year. We weren't really sure. We had to do things differently, mm-hmm. to say the least. We had another record year. We crushed it. We had 197.5 million in sales. Wow. That's a, what's that the average, a big number. What's the average price? The average price point is like 125 grand or something up there, isn't it? Or what's well, the average we, we got fortunate. We're a little bit higher because of, of what's going on in the market because it's so competitive. Um, multiple offers on, on a lot of things. But it's closer to 225 now. Okay. Yeah. And then are you guys doing mostly listings or mostly buyers or do you guys do both? Yeah. So we do both. We do both. We do. And, and it's not just residential. It's everything. It's commercial. It's, it's farm and ranch. It's, it's the whole shebang. But uh, I would say we are probably 65% listings, 
35% on buying side. Cool. So what year did you get your license? I, I was licensed in 2010. That's when I first became an actual real estate agent. During the housing market crash. Was there, was that in, <laughs> was that in Texas? Yeah. 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 It was a uh, pretty much historically the worst time ever to go get real estate license and get in real estate. So I, I decided to do it then. It was good. Yeah. Everybody else in 2010 was leaving real estate and going and getting a normal day job again. And the, so how did you get into real estate? Why'd you get into real estate? Okay. So actually, you know, I graduated from college and had zero real estate. I didn't know anything about it. I mean, I had nothing. And a friend of mine said, Hey, my uncle is uh, moving with a company up to the clean area and they need superintendents. So they wanted me to go build houses. And I said, Hey man, I've never like, literally I've never used a drill. Like I, I have no idea. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> no idea how to use a drill. And he was like, no, it's fine. They'll teach you. They'll teach you. I was like, okay, fine. So I went in there, got the job, uh, had really didn't know what I was getting myself into and, and built homes for five years. Left E.R. Horton, did it on my own for a little bit and worked for a builder uh, for about four years. And then just as a sales agent. Mm-hmm. I made a transition because when I told them I wanted to, to get into sales, they told me, no, they thought I was better suited for construction. I still tell that story and it's funny. And so I went and worked for a different, uh, different builder uh, in the sell side. And after about four years, I really saw that I was kind of handcuffed myself because there were so many agents out there and they were able to you know, be on the buy and the list side where I can only sell my builder's product. And so I thought, well, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll try it. And that's kind of how it worked out. So there's, I guess the pro of when you get to be a listing agent for a builder, the pro is you get a lot of stuff, but one of the cons is you get a much smaller percentage of the, of the normal listing commission. And then you aren't allowed to, you aren't allowed to point them anywhere else. If the, if they come in and say, Hey, I actually want a house that's in a different price point. Your job is to actually talk them into the builder's house, not a different one. Is that, is that a, is that fairly accurate? Cause I I was a builder too. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, and, and you know, that that's great for a lot of people. It just, I saw there was a bigger plan out there. And so, yes, you're right. As a sales agent for a builder, you're not licensed. You can only sell that builder's product and then that's it. And so, you know, if somebody comes in and they say, hey, like you said, we were actually looking at houses across the street. Can you show us those? And the answer is no, I can only show you what I have. Yeah. Okay. So the so then you decide, hey, you're going to give it a go. So how, how long were you a listing agent for a builder? Uh, so I did that for about three and a half years. Okay. I, I, yeah, I sat in model homes and, and did the, 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 man, I'm moving around. Homes. It's rough, dude. Uh, I don't know if you guys know where Gerald, Texas is, but it's just a little further north of, of Austin. And I sat in a model home in Gerald, Texas for about a year and a half. And that is like basically being in jail because <laughs> yeah. there is nothing out there. I mean, like at that time, there was even less. Um, and so I just kind of found myself going stir crazy, really. Yeah. 2007, 2008, I remember sitting in model homes out in Atwater, Cal- Atwater, California. The only thing in that town was the the houses. And at that time, we were so upside down. The yeah. um, There was like, every, even if we got an offer accepted, it was going for the short sale after that with our yeah. lender as, as a new home builder. A new home builder actually having to submit as, as short sales. It was a pretty interesting time. A little bit better for you when you came in 2011, 2012, but not, I guess not that. So you did it for three and a half years. You then decided, hey, I'm going to try to give it a go on my own. What yeah. was that first transition like? Did that mean, did you go to Indivista right away? Did you go work for no. somebody else right away? Yeah, no. So funny story. So when I was working for that, build, that builder, excuse me, small guy, I was competing directly with this one builder in particular. And, and he they had a licensed agent on their side. And so we actually had the same backers and we built the same floor plans. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> and I found myself constantly competing with this one guy, this one builder. 
uh, and the listing agent's name was Emilio Perales. And this guy had been in the business forever, 22 years, retired military in the service. Uh, and, and But again, I always found myself competing with this one guy, and, and they had more product, they had more plans. They're the same plans, but they just seemed to be finishing faster. And so come to find out, he actually worked for a company called HB Shepard. And um, I, I went and worked for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was an, it was the smartest thing to do. If because, you can't beat him, join him. Yeah, exactly. We became friends throughout the whole process, truthfully. And he's taught me a bunch. And he's actually my partner today. <laughs> All right. So what yeah, was, so how did you, so once you went over to work with them, how, what was your first couple deals like? How did you, what, what, yeah, what did you do? What, what, what'd you get? How did you make your first deals happen? It's terrifying. My very first deal, actually, it's funny you say it. So going back to the builder, I worked for a builder in particular that at the time was super filling the crumb. So, so we sold 33 houses that year. Uh, they're used to selling about 120 a year. There's four sales agents. It was rough, man. Uh, and it, that was when I kind of knew that I knew I had to make a decision because we were going to go broke. I mean, there was nothing I could possibly do to, to sell more of that builder's homes. And so the very first deal I did was a single lady who'd come into that office looking to buy a home. We couldn't get her approved. She couldn't afford that much of a house. I called her back three weeks later and said, hey, listen, I got my real estate license like I told you I was going to. And I'd love to go help you find something. Uh, so I got lucky that I sold something my first week on the job as a real estate agent, but it was a little more difficult after that. I think every new agent goes through that because, you know, you get your license and then what? <laughs> they don't tell you how to go find deals. They just give you your license. Right. And that's, that's kind of the definition of like why people sit open houses, right? They go yeah, to open houses absolutely. after they do the open house, they get leads from it. And then they say, oh, if you don't want this one, there's another house I can introduce you to. Sure. Sure. And so I actually did that. So I went back and I, I kind of think, so what can I do to, to figure out how to get in front of people? Because, you know, Facebook was kind of, you know, it was a way to market yourself. But really at that time, um, we did a lot of Craigslist ads. Um, we did a bunch of stuff. And so I call all the builders reps um, that worked for DR Horton and Syntex and all the local people that I knew that, that had worked at DR Horton one time and gone different places. And I said, hey, can I go sit in one of your spec homes? And, and see if I can drum up some buyers and try to bring you guys buyers. And they said, yeah, sure. And so every weekend, uh, I mean, probably for a year, I sat in, in a spec home in some subdivision of a new builder. You think builders would still allow that? Because that is because going in a model home and being able to host op- open houses, I think that is a pretty, like, they've got the flags everywhere. They've got the signs up. Yeah. They get a lot of traffic that comes in. They get more traffic than I think a normal open house gets. Yeah. Like, is that common for a builder to let other people come sit? Not really. I mean, that, that's the thing. That's what makes it more difficult now because I just had this conversation a little while ago with one of our builders. <laughs> we listed two new houses for him and we had multiple offers on those houses. Neither one are even, I mean, they're both the slab stage. So they don't really want you to do it. They don't really care if you do it um, because they're going to sell everything so fast right now because we have such a shortage. But a while ago, you know, 2010, 11, 12, when, when it was tough to sell, man, they were begging people to come sit out there. And, and I just had to find a different way of doing it. Yeah. Real Estate Rockstars, this is a commercial break from our biggest podcast sponsor we have right now, Rent Ready. It can be fun getting a new real estate deal, but it can be tough managing your properties after the fact, especially if you're long distance investing or trying to manage multiple properties by yourself. That's why we're here to tell you about Rent Ready. Rent Ready is a property management software that not only makes it easier to manage all your real estate deals from one platform, but they also have the best customer service support in the biz. They're an all-in-one app that lets you easily manage properties, collect rent, list units, screen tenants, sign leases, all from your phone or computer. Imagine all of your real estate doors right in your pocket. How awesome is that? 
The best part is it's so affordable, one flat price for everything. Unlimited properties, tenants, and support with a real live human. And I have to add in there, that's a new business model that not a lot of people are doing. There's like this freemium model where people say, hey, you can try this, but as soon as you grow, it's gonna cost you a lot of money. Or they kind of punish you when you get too many emails on your list or too many comments. They aren't gonna punish you when you grow. They're not gonna charge you more when you get 10, 20, 30 rentals. They're gonna charge you the same when you have two or three as they will when you have 50 or 60. So you have a nice fixed cost, all software, all in one place. Check it out, RentReady, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com. And if that's not enough, RentReady is giving our listeners a special code you can use to get a whole year of RentReady for just $54. Use code R-O-C-K-S-T-A-R-50. That's Rockstar50. And sign up for RentReady's annual plan at RentReady.com. Again, R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I.com with code Rockstar50 to get RentReady for only $54. So if you were going to go back and tell yourself, like, what, what, what's something you wish you would have known your first year? Or, or if you were going to start from scratch or somebody says, hey, Jimmy, I'm starting from scratch. What do I need to know? What's the one or two things that you think you wish you would have known when you first became an agent? Yeah, that's easy. So when I first got started, I was so hung up on learning everything, going by the book and, hey, going by everything I just learned in that class. I would say to a new agent, learn the learn pass the class pass the course get through all that and then go learn real estate find yourself someone to mentor after find yourself someone who's been in the business for a long time and and emulate their business because for me that was the biggest thing i had to go find somebody that that i liked that i trusted that i kind of had a like type personality with and i went and emulated what he did and and we're still friends to this day i think that was the biggest thing and the second thing i would say get organized because if you get organized in the beginning it's so much easier to do it down the line, it becomes a habit routine. Dude, that, that, I think that's a good, good advice, right? Get organized at the beginning because at the beginning, everybody's trying all sorts of different things, mm-hmm. right? There's no really r- real reason to get organized, but but I think a lot of people do s- start to get organized when it's almost too late, like going back yep. and getting the info. So when you say get organized, what does that mean to you? What's, you, what's your that's, system? What's your system that you follow? Yeah, so, you know, something simple as, you know, getting all your, your so, a lot of agencies have some kind of back office that you can put your clients into, something that you can you know, keep up with the clients that you're working with, keep up with it. I think for me, it was just like a constant contact type, type thing. You know, having that database built up and having it ready to go so that if, you know, you do find that perfect property, you can go back through there and, and, and reach out to people quickly. Because what you'll find in year one and year two is that the business is really hard. And you're like you said, you're trying to figure out a way to find business. You're trying to figure out a way like what works for me, where can I get my best leads from? But in year three and four and five, you're going to start seeing a lot of those referrals and that past clients. And and if you don't have that stuff saved, if you don't remember those people, you kind of look foolish. So you might as well go ahead and get yourself set up with a great system from the very beginning. Because I think that is where a lot of, uh, of agents who do that thrive because they're they're ready to go. Their systems are in place. What's your, what's your biggest way that you get new leads right now? I mean, now this is a big brand, ton mm-hmm. of people inside it. What's the, what's the biggest thing you guys are getting to get new, you know, to get more deals, to get new deals? I would say for me personally, mine is still referral based. Uh, me, I, I, I get a ton of referrals. I get a lot of, Hey, you sold my friend a house. Hey, 
you know, we know who you are, blah, blah, blah. Your kids are, you know, I sponsor a bunch of sports teams because for me, it's, it's huge. I think you ought to give back. Uh, and so we're always there. I mean, I have a bunch of kids. I have four kids. You got a lot of kid problems too. I know that. Um, so Absolutely. Well, that's, that's that's one of the reasons I, I liked you right away, too. The first, it was like, you have to have at least four kids to be my friend, and you pass yeah. that test. Yes. Uh, so that, that's that's the biggest thing, is be involved in your community and, and give back, because I think you'll be shocked at how, how much they give back to you. But secondly, man, ours, we have really, really, really spent a lot of money in, in videos and online advertising. Yeah, you have the Zillow, the Realtor.com, the Realtor.com, you have that stuff, but I mean, I feel like you're spitting your wheels a little bit with those those lead generation systems now because everyone's dying to behind those leads. I think you got to go and meet people. I mean, still, I, I really genuinely do face believe that face to face contact with clients is a big deal. Yeah, you've got so you're so much you're so much referral based. You're you are big into your kind of in your community up there, and you love your community. I can see it with everything everything that you do with those sponsorships and everything else. The Vista logo is this giant logo that's any all you guys that drive trucks. You've got the giant Vista logo on the side of your yeah. truck. I remember going and short after I met you, I went and I was like knocking on the door at a model home because I was trying to comp out some foreclosures in there, and there was a Vista logo on like the model homes. Are you guys still doing listings for builders? Yeah, we are. That, that's that's one of our biggest res- uh, referral bases to resources. We um, represent, I think it's 12 or 13 different builders. I have to go back and look. It, it changes so often. We're, we're adding people every day because what we've done is we've kind of gone out and started doing some developing on our own. And that's helped us with the builders because they want to come to us and want to get lots and it helps us, you know, build your own business. Uh, but yes, we sell a lot of builders' homes. I think that's that's been a big one for us as well. So I heard you say that you guys are like buying lots, doing the development. So the builders, mm-hmm. they kind of want to give you listings later because you're helping them get lots to build yeah. houses on. Are there any other tricks to becoming an agent for a builder? You know, I, I would say, you know, obviously the more you sell their product, the more they're going to notice. I mean, that that's a big deal. If you, you know, find a niche that you're comfortable with and, and you get to meet those builders and you do those things that, that again, that face-to-face meeting and getting to know somebody. But uh, I mean, I, I can't, you know, give you the magic sauce. I think a lot of it is just being in the business a long time and, and selling stuff. And, and sometimes, you know, swallowing your pride and going and talking to a guy, you know, if you see an agent out there or a builder out there, that's, that's got some homes sitting, go talk to him and say, Hey, let me, let me list your stuff. Let me see if I can do a little different than your last agent. And, and you never know, it might work out for you. I like what you said there. If you sell a bunch of their houses, you get noticed. Yeah. Right. So even as a buyer's agent, right? Like if you are representing a bunch of buyers selling their houses, over and over again, where you've done a few of them and now you're noticeable, that's a great time to probably start some of those conversations. They go, hey, I brought you a few people. What about letting me have one of those listings and here's how. I could see that being a, a conversation that really works. So right now, anytime anybody submits an offer, there's on the MLS. House hits MLS. The And, and you know, we write 20 full price cash offers, everything listed on MLS. Nobody calls back. I remember one recently that I had you write for me and said, Hey, write yep. a full price a cash offer on this one right away. And the, and they reply back within seconds saying, sorry, we already accepted another offer. And this was like an hour after the listing went live. So what is your, for normal people out there you're representing, what is your number one trick to get your offer accepted right now in this crazy market? Say a prayer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, you know, that that's, Again, going back to, to the magic sauce, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I think that people can go in and think that basically, it, you know, if it's cash offer, it's one thing. Cash always looks great. There's no doubt. 
But if you if you're in a conventional or or an FHA or a VA, if you think that that, that just a full price offer is going to work, it's not. I mean, you've got to sweeten that pot. You've got to shorten your option period. You've got to a lot a lot of the offers I'm getting. You have the the, the buyers paying for their own title policy now, where it used to be a given. Like nine percent of the time, you see the the seller pay for that. You know, doing well with the the financing contingencies. Uh, one big thing that I would say is huge that I've been telling a lot of my clients to do is go ahead, get pre-approved, and start the underwriting process. Get yourself ahead of the game so you can close quicker. Because if if I submit an offer to an agent to a listing agent, you know, if it's a finance deal, mm-hmm. I can say, hey, listen, we're above asking price, above full, you know, full asking price. We're through the underwriting um, process, so we can do a two week close. That makes you look a whole lot better on paper. So how do you communicate that to the listing agent? Like, so you put it in the offer, but do you, do you call them? Do you email them? Do you do yeah. both? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, you, obviously you send the offer over. Uh, first thing you do is send that over and then give them a call. Absolutely. Because I've had a lot of people send me offers and may go to my spam. I never see it. Never knew. I mean, I, I think if you don't follow up with a call or a text or something, you're crazy. Because right now, I mean, we had a deal. We had a, had a listing on uh, Saturday. My office did. They had eight offers. Saturday afternoon, you've yeah. got to follow up that, that email with a call. I mean, that, that's crazy. You know, I would say I'm going to give away one of your secrets. And one of your, one of your secrets that I've got to have the luxury of experiencing lately is you need to make that offer before it hits the market. Right. So the, like, yep. that's, that is one of your, like, I reached out to you a couple months ago and said, Hey, we have, we have to buy a ton of houses in the next 60 to 90 days, a part of this giant 1031 exchange. Like, what have you got? Right. And you didn't have anything, but just by doing that, then you started reaching out to those relationships and yeah. you started to find like, Hey, here's a deal that fell out of escrow. And, and, you know, can we just, can we just match their terms and close it in the next week? There was also, yeah. Hey, th- these guys are getting ready to list this one. Now, do you just want to go ahead and jump in right away, you know, and be able to do that? So one of the things, and, and I think it goes back to relationships. So the, you have really, really good relationships with people out there. Like your business is run on referral, but it's also helped you get to the point where when you got to go say, Hey, we, we've got a buyer. We need to do this right now. What have you got? We got to be some people's like backup plan at that point where they're like, Hey, there's other people didn't close on time. You want to jump in and close this in the next, I remember one of them was like, can you close in five days? Right? Like (laughs) other people canceled. Can you, can you fill their spot? So Anything extra with that, or if somebody's trying to build some of those some of those relationships, or any ideas or stories behind that, you want to share? Absolutely. So, I mean, it kind of goes back to the getting organized. You know, if if you've got if you kind of have an idea of what the turnover is in your area, let's say in Temple Belton, I mean, it's typically four or five years. Folks turn over the properties every four or five years, and you create that that portfolio early on, and you do your job, and you get organized. You can start going back through your portfolio and saying, hey, this kind of meets, you know, if, if I have a buyer looking for an 1800 square foot house in a certain area, I can go through my Rolodex basically and say, these folks bought a house that size four years ago. I'll, I'll call them up. We did this today. I called a client today, a past client and said, hey, I've got somebody looking in your area. You mentioned to me a few weeks ago when I saw you that you may be thinking about selling. You're not really sure. You know, I, I knew they bought a lot to build a house and said, I've got a guy who's lost out on three deals. Would you mind letting him look at your house today? Would y'all be interested in selling it if I got you the number you wanted? He said, well, let me talk to my wife. I'll call you back. This was an hour ago before I talked to you. He called back and said, if you can give me this number, they can come look tonight. Called the guy. He said, we'll be there at three o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to do that. You've got to. Like when I said, hey, I need this, you knew who you were going to call. 
I was like, hey, this is what I need. These are the product yeah. that we need. And we need to, knowing that we're writing all these offers and it's, and it's there, or we're writing all these offers and it's not working, right? So, but then you were able to go after, you know, the old fashioned way of say, hey, Jimmy, what do you got? I love, so part of getting organized, it's not just, hey, this is somebody in my Rolodex, right? Hey, we actually bought them a house or we sold them a house three mm -hmm. years ago and then putting in there, it's an 1800 square foot house built in three bedrooms so to where you could easily start to look yep. and say like, Hey, I've got a new client that wants this zip code. Oh, who did I work with before in that zip code? Okay. My yep. new client wants a 2000 square foot house. Oh, we've got four past clients that we can reach out to. And the, and one of the things that people don't like sellers right now know their house is going to get sold, but not yep. very many people want to show their house to 30 people. Not many people want to want yep. to search, you know, go through those 30 offers. Everybody wants to make an extra 10 or 15 grand. But I think being able to say like, hey, uh, will you, can you, you can sell my house right now for what I want without anybody walking through my house. Like that's, that's why the iBuyers are doing a good job because they say, yeah. hey, here's your offer and no one's going to walk through your house and interrupt your day. And, the, and you're actually, I, I love the fact you're taking a buyer and you're mixing a seller together. When you do that, are they still, are you the agent on both sides? Like if somebody does that, is there any extra yeah. that they're adding to people for that? Well, I mean, yeah, we're still getting, you know, being an intermediary and, and represent both sides. You get your full commission and then you, you, your seller has to go buy something. So guess what? Your the, the change just kind of keeps falling. You know, it, it is more of a struggle. You know, you have to be careful with that seller and be able to find them something because that, that's obviously difficult. But like I said, with this one particular guy, I already know they bought a lot to build a house. So it just kind of helps push them along. You know, maybe we can figure out a way to find them a builder that we represent that can build them a house. And so, yeah, dude, I mean, it's, it's, it's just getting creative, you know, in a, in a market like it is right now where there's multiple offers on everything, you have to be creative. You have to kind of think outside the box and, and just fight, fight for it. Yeah. I love, I love getting to see how much that you have built your business in just the last five years from the first time we got to meet and you got to do a couple listings for me to, you know, to the guy you are now, again, especially with those relationships that you have as kind of the go-to guy in your area, the recognizable brand, where then when people, I think it probably even helps you when you get to submit the offers, when you get to say it's coming from Vista, the local agents recognize that. But what are some, like, what's, uh, what's some, like the number, the way that number one way you survived 2020? Like something that like by you, because there was, I mean, by the end of 2020, if you were an agent and you had listings or, or buyer, you were doing great, but maybe near that kind mm -hmm. of uncomfortable time, was there something that you did yeah. to really, that really helped you survive 2020? You know, I, we were very, very, very fortunate during 2020. And, and I honestly can't put my finger on it while we were, we, we did so well, truthfully. Yes. There was a couple weeks there that were, man, it was a month. We'll say a month. That was terrifying. You know, during the spring break last year, about this time, you know, the whole world shut down essentially. And so thankfully I had some stuff in escrow, it pushed us through that first month of, of not sure. And then we shut down our office, you know, wouldn't allow anyone in the office. And then we get the the email from, from our local judge saying, you know, realtors can't show houses. It, it was just a, a, just a train wreck all like at once. Thank, thank God for Zoom, by the way. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's, <laughs> I wish I'd owned stock in Zoom. I had, it changed everything, Zoom yeah. Golly, but we're able to kind of keep in touch with all of our agents that way. And and then, you know, it came back that, hey, listen, you can show properties. You can, you know, keep working because you have food, shelter, and, and water. Those are things you have to have that are essential. And and we had that problem where people were literally moving out of their houses and had nowhere to go. And we're, we're pleading with the judge here in Buck County to please let us show houses. 
But, you know, thankfully everything kind of came back online and it really didn't stop us. It just, we had to get more creative with it. We had to, we put some places and some, some checks and balances in order. We made all of our agents, you know, wear masks. We made them all carry um, sanitizer. We, we started doing some things that were kind of trying to lead the charge to still keep our job moving forward, but keep everybody safe. Cause that was our biggest worry is, is keeping everybody safe. But I think, you know, during that time, we didn't stop on our, on our, with our online presence. We still shot videos. We still went out and really did a lot of things that stayed in front of everybody while they were still at home, you know? And I think that was a big deal. I think that was, it was a good move on our part because people were just eating up data on, on Facebook and Instagram and, and all that. And so we're still able to do our, me and you know, my partner, Amelia do podcasts. We're able to do some of those. Uh, we're able to do video walkthroughs. You know, we just, just kind of, thought outside the box and did things just a little bit differently. I think that most people did. We, you know, it's okay to respect it and fear it, but life must go on. And I think that that's where we were in, in Vista. Yeah, I didn't realize that the, one of the ju- local judges up there actually first said like, no more real estate. For, how long did that yeah. go for? Dude, it went on for like a week. I was, yeah. I, I had this one couple, they had sold their house. They had nowhere to go. I, so for those who don't know, I drive a big black F-250. It has Vista Real Estate post inside of it and bright, shiny silver. It's like you an eight-foot tall banner, yeah. It is a mobile billboard. So I was driving around in my wife's car, <laughs> calling yeah. agents that I know. I was like, hey, listen, is it cool if I show your house? He was like, yeah, that's cool. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. We had people that were going to be homeless. Like, we didn't have a choice. I heard a lot of that. Home. I heard a lot of, like, kind of secret showing sales yep. that were like, hey, we had to totally change the way that we managed our rentals. We used to do yeah. hand someone the keys when they moved in, you know, <laughs> take the keys when they moved out. And we had to switch everything to like virtual to zoom. And it was a, it was a big thing. Cause at first it's like, well, no, even our customer service calls for people, yeah. we were like, Hey, do you want someone in the house? Do you want to, do you want to leave first? How do you want to do this? Yeah. Like we used to always have a policy that we were never going to work in anyone's home if they weren't there. And then yeah. it started to be preferred. They were like, could you actually do the work while I'm at work? And yeah. What a strange, what's a bunch of strange pivots. So, so you guys, you, you kept going hard with your online presence. You made some mm-hmm. of the pivots and then you were like, Hey, we want to keep our job. So we'll do whatever, whatever they yeah. ask us to, to keep working. If they say mask, tennis, whatever, let's get people out there. Let's get them comfortable. What was, what was something that you learned in 2020, whether it be real estate or personal, something that you were just baffled by the end of it. <laughs> there's a lot of things that baffled me in 2020. Yeah. But I, I would say the biggest thing that kind of, that I learned is that you can work smarter instead of harder. I, my personal business was a record year, like mm-hmm. not even close. I mean, I, I had a monster year in 2020. Right. You as an agent, like you not only like run me, yeah, and people, yeah. you as an agent. Cause I still sell. Yeah. I still yep. sell. I learned that I can be more efficient. And I think that it was cool. 2020 was cool because it did teach me to be more efficient, be able to spend more time with my family, because that's why I got into real estate was to have more family time. I right. mean, I think a lot of us do that. And then that goes out the door real quick. If you're, if you're a busy agent, you know, that's a bunch of BS because nobody has time to go to soccer practice and be a coach and do all the things that you think you're going to do until you get into real estate. And so I was able to be a little more efficient and I really am, glad that 2020 happened. I know not, not a lot of people say that, but it was good for me because I went and, you know, we bought a beach house. Like not a lot of people know that because yeah. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I mean, I'm going to work, work smarter. So it's that refocus. Like the, yeah, I remember quitting yep. my job to become an entrepreneur so I could spend more time with my kids. My yep. second baby was born six weeks early and I was like, Oh my God, my family's so important. I'm going to quit my job 
for family values because I'm working too much and my wife's working too much. And then you learn that as an entrepreneur or as a real estate agent, that the that that's not promised. Like for that to happen, no. it needs to be your intention. And I think a lot yep. of people, that's what 2020 became. Yeah, I agree. I you know, agree. That 2020 became the idea that it reminded us, like, I was going to an office every day again, right? Yeah. Which was, like, against sure. why I did it all to begin with. And it was that reminder, like, no, we can be more efficient. Like, there's a time for Zoom. And, and I think right now we get to f- figure out there's a time for Zoom and there's a time for personal meetings. Yeah. And yeah. there's, there's going to be a balance of when one is needed and when the other is, but encouraging us to go, do we need to do that one in person or not? Is this a transactional yeah. type thing or is this a relationship type? Because there's both. There's meetings that are, right. that are important right. and being able to see that. So what do you think the number one way to succeed in 2021 is for people? I would say get on a schedule. I mean, I think we're talking about that right now. I, you know, About four years ago, we went to a real estate conference, uh, a mastermind conference in Vegas. And, and I was running ragged, man. I was any deal I could get my hands on, any listing any buyer i was still working seven days a week as an owner and, and again kind of lost that focus i learned about schedules and learning about you know putting your family first and so i start i quit working on sundays and i really don't work on saturdays unless it's by appointment or unless it's texting you because you wear yeah. me out when you, you answer like, your phone you're like hey <laughs> it's a weekend i might answer my phone <laughs> but but set a schedule you know and, and that goes with on Monday through Friday, getting your butt to the office and actually being accountable and doing your job because yeah, or go to the, I say go to the office, go to Starbucks, find your time to work. You know, don't get caught up with all the side things that you can be doing, paying bills, cleaning the house, doing laundry, make a schedule because real estate's a job. And I think that's where a lot of the agents get lost is they, they find that freedom and they go work out and they go run some errands. Yeah. Freedom to make their own it's, schedule. It's easier to, to put that stuff on the back burner, but I would say, 2021, set a schedule, stick to it because that's, that changed my life. That mastermind conference changed my life. I started making more money working less after I went to that conference. That is awesome advice. Set, set that schedule. Cause yeah, it's uh, when we're allowed to make our own schedule and in 2020, it got even crazier, mm-hmm. right? Because now people could be doing like doing laundry um, when they're supposed to be working. They could be like everything. So for even for employees, the world has been so meshed now. So setting a schedule, I remember telling people when it first started, like employees, like you should still wake up at this time and you should still shower. You should still shower and get dressed for the day. Like I know you don't have to. And I also know why people like wouldn't, but still it's a mindset thing of like, like get dressed like you're going to an office just so you feel the part. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Because it's so easy to get caught during the whole I, I call it snow, but you call it, what did you call it earlier? Hey, well, I called last week ice Mageddon, right? Ice-mageddon. When we had, when we had the, yeah, the, the crazy shutdown of Texas. You know, it's hard to fight through this stuff, but still do you follow your routine? Because yes, just because we don't feel like getting up and doing all those things that we would normally do doesn't mean that people's lives have to stop. You know, that people are still buying their house. There's still a process that has to happen. There's, there's things that have to you know keep moving forward. And I think, you know, set your schedule and make sure you stick to that. Yeah. Did you have many clients get their pipes busted or anything, any major, because so for all you people that didn't watch the news, Texas had a crazy catastrophic catastrophe for like, for like a week, my pool equipment exploded. You know, we lost power and everything in my house for a few days. I wasn't here, but my poor wife was really got to struggle with that. But there was a lot of houses we had in escrow 
that all of a sudden we were like, oh my gosh, like literally like ice cubes were falling from the sky uh, as part of the hail. Did you have any deals that like completely changed so after option period, but had like the freezing rain, like totally break something on the house and change the deal? Yeah. So personally, I was very, very lucky. Most of mine, most of my, my, my contracts that I had going on didn't have any damage. I did have a few houses that we were looking at to go show that we weren't able to go see that still aren't back on the market because they had an issue. But yes, my own personal house, uh, my father-in-law who lives next door to us, his house. I mean, yes, the, the pool equipment. No, we, we didn't have water, hot water for two weeks. Like last week, we got hot water back. And I was so thankful to shave at my own house. <laughs> Dude, what a... What an interesting thing to go through. And let's see, I'm getting a generator put on my house now and I probably won't need it for the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah, probably. Until, until it, you know, that, that'll be the soonest it'll happen again. But it, it really sparked this interesting scenario of what happens if you're in escrow, you're, you've already mm -hmm. removed all your contingencies, you're supposed to close escrow this week, but the title company doesn't have power, you don't have yep. power, everyone has signed their docs, but now the water meter explodes. Right, yeah. like the so pool equipment explodes. So, yeah, who's responsible at that point? Who has, especially when docs are signed? I remember I had signed my loan docs before Texas went into to the house I live in now. The day before Texas went into a state of emergency, well, they almost didn't fund because then the state of emergency yeah. happened, and then it came Monday, and they were like, "What is our?" They were asking themselves, "What yeah. is our obligation?" We approved a loan last week that we would not have approved this week. Have you heard it? Did anybody, anybody, you know, close have to cancel, like have to really so sort through and figure out who's responsible? We, yeah. I think we had three or four that were hung up that they had to go back. Their project had to go back out and reinspect it because of, mm -hmm. because of um, FEMA, I guess, kind of holding things up. We had some stuff get pushed back, but, and we had some damage on a few properties. I know one of them had a water uh, meter that busted right there at the line. And so thankfully the sellers were cool. They fixed it, you know, and the buyers worked with them. Everything, everything has been pretty smooth because, I think most people were willing to work with each other. And that's kind of the conversation I've had with a lot of agents that we do deals with outside of here. Let's be patient. This whole last year is be patient. Let's work together. Let's, let's figure this out because if you're not flexible, we're all in trouble. Dude, be patient. We were one of our biggest surprises of that is we went to go buy some other houses and our insurance company said, we're not going to issue any new insurance policies right now until they could understand how damaged yeah. they were from the storms. Yeah. So there was about two weeks where we could not get a new insurance. So we were in escrow to buy and we had to extend things a couple of weeks or switch over to other insurance people or switch from a loan to cash uh, in that time. And that was something that, you know, 2020 taught me there was so much stuff that's unpredictable. You always got to be willing to pivot. And then I was going to ask you next to pr predict what you think is going to happen in 2021, right after we just said, you know, there's no, like, there's no way to predict any of this stuff, but do you have any yeah. predictions of 2021 that you'd like to point out? Well, I, I think that 2021 is going to be a difficult year for a lot of agents and, and not because the market's bad. The market is ridiculous, but I think it's difficult because it is so ridiculous because it's so good and it's hard for a lot of buyers to get, to get, you know, that, that home, especially it, it, being near Fort Hood, which is the largest military base in the world. And we're right around the corner from that a lot of VA buyers are struggling to get into homes. And so yeah. um, I, I think 2021 is going to stay strong. I think a lot of homes are going to sold, get sold. There's a lot of volume. I think that, that I know that this is going to have another record year. I mean, my goodness, we, we already we have 80 plus million dollars in escrow uh, through February, but I think it's going to be difficult. I think that you're going to have to keep grinding and you're going to keep working. And, and I think there's a shortage and people are just going to have to deal with it and, and work through it. That's, that's the best I can tell you. Yeah. The, uh, 
know, it's a really it's a really good point. So Bell County, so north north of Austin, it is such a heavy VA buyer community, more than mm-hmm. any community I've ever seen and experienced out there. And I'm sure there's plenty of them throughout the U.S. and military towns. It's my first experience with military town, and we have a house listed for sale. And you know, we're in escrow right now with a VA that's twenty thousand over asking, right? <laughs> and so to get accepted, they really they really wrote their strongest offer but at the end of the day they had they had to and they had to work a lot harder for it and now what happens when it doesn't appraise like it won't appraise for that right but i think the hope is they're saying hey we're willing to do whatever so as much as it will appraise for we'll take that but it's still a no money down thing so the i I really appreciate that those agents and those buyers were kind of doing whatever they could they're like hey as as i we will pay you as much as we can uh, in order to get this house, it helped yeah. get them noticed, even if they knew for sure, like, hey, it's only going to, you know, appraise for within five grand of that or something. Yeah. And, and I think that sellers have to understand, you know, it, well, let's go back. Listing agents have to be educated and know what they're talking about and be able to explain that to their sellers. Hey, listen, here's five offers. Here's the pros and cons of each one, you know, and, and good point. You know, you, you think that sometimes that conventional offer looks looks sweet, but they may have a bunch of contingencies tied to that contract where a VA deal may not have those. But, you know, the initial thought is, no, nah, I don't want a VA deal. Thanks. But no, thanks. You got to look at every part of the contract because there are a lot of VA deals that are better than, than FHA deals or conventional deals. Every, every contract's different. I think it, it, it falls back on the agent explaining that, that best um, offer to their clients. Yeah. And that's probably why some of those clients are willing to sell you their house kind of off market Yep. So they won't. So let's, um, we're, we're getting ready to wrap this up here, but so, but you know, Bell County, so North Austin, new mm-hmm. homes, what are, just to give people a, kind of an idea of values, what are new homes selling for up there? I remember the first house I bought was, it was crazy. It was like 3000 square foot granite counter, stainless <laughs> appliances. And I got it at auction, but still I got it for like 135,000. And I was like, I can't build it for 200, but what are the, but, but the reality is they can, what are they selling for up there right now? Yeah, man, so much has changed. The, the the market, when I started 10 years ago, the average price per home in Belton was like $145,000. Now it's up to $200,000. But yeah, I think the, the entry-level homes are somewhere around $185,000. You know, new construction, you know, ranging up to a couple million now. But really, I think the, our, our average sales price is right around two twenty-five dollars to, to, to three hundred dollars is, is a really nice home. Yeah. I mean, you still see some, there's still some new homes at two twenty-five dollars up there. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can find them. But again, it's gonna be multiple offers. So you better, you better be yeah. ready to come with it. <laughs> That's true. I had I, you know, when, when we did an, an interview with five all stars like a week ago, that was one of the things David Green said yeah. is he's like the listing price doesn't even matter anymore. Like that's just no. like a fake number. No. You gotta figure out what it's worth to your buyer, what you think it's gonna appraise for, and that gets to be the deals uh, instead. So I actually yeah. saw that thing you posted, the uh, the the screenshot of you know, an agent saying, just have your sellers fill in the information. We're tired of writing contracts. Dude, <laughs> you know I that. posted that. That was hilarious. So it was, it was a screenshot and the text, the, the text was meant to be a joke. And it was an agent saying, Hey, we got an offer from your buyer sign, but it's blank. And the person says, Hey, we're just so tired of writing offers. You fill it out and send it back to me. I posted that as a joke. I had like four people reach out to me and say they actually had received a blank offer within the last week for saying like, just we'll pay what you guys tell us what you want the terms to be. And we're in. Yeah, dude. It's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So right funny. Now. Yeah. That was a good one. 
Yeah. Well, the, um, Jimmy, it's been awesome getting to chat with you and get to hear more about, you know, you and I get to chat so much, but about how you built your real estate, real estate career, what you're doing out there with some great actionable stuff. Any last things you want to tell the listeners out there, you know, mostly newer agents or people on how to, it could be newer agents to get started. It could be how to go from 10 deals to a hundred deals, like yeah. anything that you really love sharing. Yeah, I would say, you know, a couple things. Don't take anything for granted. Just because someone's buying their first home and it's a $75,000 or $90,000 fixer-upper, don't take those people for granted. I think times are good and people forget about that. Um, I think every deal is important and work every deal like it does mean something to you. And, and again, the schedule, to me, I think the schedule is such a big deal because you can ask anyone that works for me. They know what my schedule is every single day. It does not stray. And, you know, keep grinding. Don't get Don't get discouraged. It's going to be a a tough fight till we, you know, get through this, this traffic jam, but that that's the biggest thing. I love that. Find a schedule, stick to your schedule, keep going. And I think my favorite thing you said is don't take anyone for granted because that $80,000 deal today, the yep. can become the, the giant deal later. The, we recently sold a, uh, we sold a house out in California and we hired a new listing agent. It was a friend of ours. Somebody comes in, calls her, and it's her first transaction, she ends up representing the buyer and the seller. The long story short is she awesome. goes in, shows somebody doesn't have an agent. Whereas most of the time, I think people would say, oh, you don't have an agent, especially in today's market. Oh, you don't have an agent yet. You haven't even been pre-qualified. Like, go get qualified before you make yeah. an offer on my listing. And she didn't take it for granted. And she ended up getting to write an offer for them, do both sides of it. So I love that advice. Jimmy, if anybody wants to reach out to you, if they want to hear more about what you're doing, they have questions, uh, they, they need some advice, what's the best way they can find you? Yeah, call me anytime. Uh, you, can, you can find me, uh, just this real estate, just, just type it in, it's pretty easy to find. But call me on my cell phone, 254-780-7711 or reach out to me at jimmy at thevistarealtors.com. Jimmy, the, it is so awesome to talk to you. And listeners, you know, to take him up on that. Jimmy has built, gone from being a small agent that was doing listings for a builder to building a pretty awesome real estate career and one of the best guys I know. So Jimmy, thanks for coming thanks, on brother. Real Estate Rockstars. Thanks for listening. All right, Real Estate Rockstars. This is Aaron Muchastegui jumping in again to thank you for listening to the show. Hopefully you guys loved listening to that one. And I want to make sure that you know about all of the extra resources that we have. And also we need your help. They say podcasts are free. You get to listen to podcasts for free. But what is the cost of that podcast? I would say if I could beg you to pay anything for that podcast, I would say the cost of the podcast is going and giving a review. So whether you download it on Google or Apple or YouTube or anywhere else, please go give us a review. Say what you liked, what you didn't like. It helps us get better guests. The more reviews, the higher we get in the rate rankings. Right now, we are the biggest podcast out there for real estate agents. And we want to keep that spot because we know there's lots of podcasts out there. So go give us a review. Also, be sure to go to hybendigital.com. If you liked any of the resources that those real estate agents talked about, we've got a huge video vault of those resources for free. Every penny that comes on the podcast that we interview, they give us something that helps them get their deals or helps them work with their clients. And we put that in the toolbox in our vault for you. So go to hybendigital.com and you can get it. If you're looking for real estate education, go to rebusuniversity.com. We have all sorts of courses in there to help agents succeed in real estate how to get the listing, how to negotiate deals, you know, how to become an investor, all sorts of different stuff, rebusuniversity.com.
And if you want to chat with me, go find me on Instagram. And if you come find me on Instagram, you can send me messages. Tell me what you want to hear. Tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. We try to put a bunch of content out there too. You can find me in two different places. It's at rerockstars.com for our Real Estate Rockstars page or at erinamuchastegui.com for my personal Instagram page where I can chat with you about all sorts of different things. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.